listening to So Connected, a podcast for people trying to cultivate joy, purpose, and community in their lives. I'm Catherine. And I'm Sarah. Today we're going to be talking about life lessons that we want to make sure our children internalize. But first, let's check in about how it's going. What are your highs and lows right now, Catherine? My high and my low are the same thing, and that is that we finally got COVID. Oh. And so I started having a scratchy throat on my birthday. Today we were going to Kansas City, and I was like, surely this is just allergies, but I'm going to take a COVID test to be really sure. And I took the COVID test, and it was negative. And so we went to Kansas City, and then I was like sick in some poor person's Airbnb all weekend. And when I came back and I was positive, I felt really guilty about having been um, out and around. But then also we just, you know, were really sick for a week and um, the kids were not sick, which is not, I don't know. We were trying to think like, has there ever been a time where Nathan and I were sick and the kids weren't sick at the same time? This is, I think was the first. So we made it. We've now uh, finally had COVID and we really did enjoy having the kids were out of school for seven days. They missed seven days of school. And so we did really enjoy just that extra time together and just lots of time in our backyard and playing. And as we started feeling better, we got some projects done. And so that was kind of nice, but definitely not how I anticipated spending the last two weeks since I've seen you last. Oh my goodness. I'm glad you're super boosted, vaccinated, now immunized. Yes, we are gr- grateful. We were worried about our trip to Mexico and, and like getting COVID while we were there, but now we're going to be a little bit less worried. So anyways, what are your highs and lows right now, Sarah? I'm really excited for our trip that's coming Yay. up so soon, 14 days when we record this. So every time I open up our massive document, I haven't sent you our massive document yet. I, I will send it to you. Uh, I get really excited about the things that are on there because I'll kind of forget, you know, because it's like 365 days of potential activity. Not, not That's not actually true because we're doing lots of working and homeschooling, so it's not 365 days of activities. But you get the point, lots of activities, and so I'll kind of forget about it, and then I'll open it and be like, oh, yeah, we're going to do that. And I've been having to make a lot of reservations, uh, which apparently so is everyone else because it is so hard to get reservations. Even in May, I'm booking, it's May, I'm booking for July and things are already booked. Like tours, I wanted to go on a kayaking tour, it's already booked. I tried to get 8 a.m. tickets to Pearl Harbor, they were not available. Like it was, it's really competitive out there. Um, So anyway, I'm just really excited about the things that are on that list and the impending trip. I am so excited for you. That sounds completely delightful. My low is just feels like we are heading into like a dark and darker period as a world. And it feels really scary to me. And every day it feels like I'm waking up and there's just another another thing. Uh, Like to just it feels like we're dismantling the progress of the 20th century and our democracy is not working. And so that is all just really hard. And and I also am so aware of how relatively easy I have it because of my skin color, because of my sexual orientation, because of a, a bunch of other 
privileges. And so if it's feeling hard for me, I just can't even imagine how it's feeling for people who are more subject to oppression. So that's been hard. And I recently heard a quote that hope is a discipline. And so I'm really thinking a lot about how to put that into place and how to always have something that is giving me hope and to feel like I am trying to work towards solutions. That's really important to me, especially as we like sort of do this very like self-centered thing of like going on this family trip. Like how do I continue to help contribute to the world and not just consume the world? So right now I'm pouring my energy into the reading remediation pathway that we built at Montessori for All, and we're enrolling teachers to participate next year. So I'm getting energized and excited about literacy and, you know, because it's just so connected to what's going on in the world and, and how people are processing information or not processing information. So I'm excited about um, that work in in this difficult time. It is so difficult and just increasingly dark. And I always appreciate how you're looking at ways to remain hopeful and to actionize that. So thank you for sharing. Well, now let's talk about today's topic, life lessons for our children, which is not exactly a light topic. It's a pretty hard topic, I find. Um, but this is at the top of my heart because we're preparing to homeschool our children for a year, but also because I came across this sort of theory of development that talked about how this age of elementary school is really the interpretive stage. This theory comes from Galinsky, which we'll share in the show notes, but it means that our children are the most open to our messages about life and about our values because they're kind of internalizing our interpretations of the world before they hit adolescence. And, you know, Henry's like in the final year of that. And so I'm hoping to have this conversation to kind of hear how you're thinking about this. And I only have like half a year or one year left with with Henry in this phase. And then um, Tate, we have a little bit longer and then your children are getting into this phase too. So let's jump back and forth with each other, just sharing our top 10 life lessons. So Catherine, what's the first one that you want to share? And listeners, these are not necessarily in order because that would be way, it was already too much pressure to come up with 10, yet alone to put them in some kind of priority order. So Catherine, go ahead. It was definitely really hard to figure out how to come up with like 10 distinct things and then to stop. Like I kept coming up with other things throughout the week. So I really appreciated this reflection. Um, The first one for me is compassion and just maintaining positive regard. I really, really, really have just seen situations where kids like lived in a context where there was always kind of this assumed negative outlook and how much that can influence kids from even just a very young age is so startling. And so it's really, it's, imp- it's an important practice. I think it really is a practice to cultivate and to have this outlook. Um, it's important for me and I really feel like it adds a lot of value to my life and to the relationships in my life. And that's something that I want to pass on to my kids. 
So that's my first one. What's your first one, Sarah? My first one was like an internal compass and introspection. I am just reflecting more and more about how each of us has a really unique light to shine in the world. And yet it's so easy for that light to be dimmed by trying to conform to what others think we like or should like or what we should do or who we should be and just how much better the world would be if we would all just shine our light. And I think it's really, I kind of paired these two together, first of all, because it was hard to get down to 10. So I had to like do some pairing, but I feel like it's the practice of introspection that unlocks that internal compass. And I just listened to this really cool idea about getting really silent when you have a decision to make, getting really silent and standing still and asking yourself the question and kind of answering it. And if you lean for, if your body like pulls forward, that might be a sign that you should do it or answer it in that way. Or if your body pulls back from it. And I loved that idea. Um, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but just this idea of really getting into the habit of tuning in and and it's not even something that you can just identify once, right? Like, oh, this is what I'm, this is my internal compass for my whole life. Like, no, there's not just one way that we have to shine our light. And so making that an ongoing practice of like, who are you? What's calling to you? Where does your light meet the world's greatest need? And um, so that was, that was my, my first bullet, not my number one thing, but my first bullet. It's an important one. I love it. And my second one is a little bit similar. It's authenticity, which for me, as I was thinking about that, really, I want to help my kids like know how to identify their truth versus like society's messages or the voices of their friends or the voices of other people, even my voice in their life, but to know their truth and to live from that place of like their true self. And something we talk a lot about in our house is like how they, like everyone is as precious as like gold and you should expect to kind of be treated that way and interact with people that way. But you also should believe that about other people and just kind of being able to find and live out of that worth, self-worth and um, internal vision and internal compass, like you said, is really important for us. Yeah. I love that word authenticity. My number two was a partnership orientation. And this comes from a lot of places, but Ruth Eisler's work for one, just about how a society is either a partnership society or a domination society. And I think so much about how if we could cultivate partnership orientation within our hearts and our minds, how much more just and peaceful the world would be for all of us, if we could all, and this looks like micro things, like how do you approach conflict from a place of a win-win? How do we both, how can we both get our needs met? Um, but then just from a macro lens of like unpacking the ways in which we position certain groups of people over other groups of people and how we dominate the environment and and so much about that domination oppression is just everywhere. And so if we could really 
cultivate and kind of see it as like our highest form of existence. I just think that if we could if we could see that as something to aspire to, like as much as we're trying to get humans to Mars, like if we could also try to get humans to a place of partnership, I think that would just do so much for all of us in the world. That would be so huge. There's so much getting in the way, I feel like. But I love the idea of striving for that. When I was just thinking, like, wouldn't it be cool to, like, write, like, a so an entire social studies curriculum written through this lens of, like, how have humans, like, often defaulted to domination and what are other examples of partnership and how can we look toward the future from a lens of partnership. I was like, that would be such a cool curriculum. Probably get banned in Texas. But um, Okay, what's your number three? My number three is how to be present with people. Um, I thought a lot as I was doing this about kind of like what I learned as a kid and what I've learned about being human as an adult and just trying to kind of like sort through what are the most, like the 10 most important things. It was like a lot of pressure to make the the list of 10. Um, but I think being able to like be with people in, in good times, but also in places where that are really hard and that are really painful for them and to like stay with them without having to try to fix it or without trying to, without feeling the insecurity that causes people to look away so often is something I feel like I've been cultivating in my thirties and I would love to, I think that's something that like kids are actually naturally pretty good at. And Mm -hmm. they sort of like, that's sort of like, they sort of lost as like social etiquette is taught and different things. And so I'm really hoping to help my kids learn to stay with people. I love that. Okay, my number three is, this one sounds so funny, but I put on here a solid academic foundation. And the reason why is because, you know, this list started from this idea of homeschooling And it's also connected to my thinking about education reform. Because I think when you start to reform a school, reform an entire system, you've got to start by thinking about your graduate aims or like what kind of people are you actually trying to cultivate? So academics did make my list, but it's so fascinating to me that it's only 10% of what I'm putting on here. And yet it's 98% of what we try to do in schools. And I think that's really backwards. And I am so intrigued by this notion. I've already emailed several people, my therapist, former professors. And I'm like, what, what are your top 10 things that you think children should get out of education by the time they graduate from 12th grade? Because so I, I think, and if there's anyone out there who wants to turn this into a research project and start interviewing people and then like crosswalking it to kind of cull it down. I would it'd just be so fascinating to do this study among people in different industries with different perspectives and kind of find like what are those sort of transcendental values. Um, so anyway, fa- an academic foundation did make it on here for me because of my school perspective. And but I, but I think that the academics should just be enough that we keep the doors of possibility open for children. So, because we can't know when they're in fifth grade, eighth grade, like we don't know what their, how their light is going to shine in the world. And so it means that they do need a basic foundation of reading and writing and math, and they need an understanding of science and social studies. 
but it doesn't need to be nearly as complex as we think it is or nearly as detailed as we think it is Um, because when we go on to make it so detailed and so complex, it crowds out time for all of these other things. So I do want that solid academic foundation, but I would say it's a pretty low bar compared to how a lot of other folks think about what school needs to do academically. That's like such a great perspective. And I feel like you're probably like blowing the minds of a lot of people that send their kids faithfully to school and haven't thought about that. So thank you for sharing. My number four is the importance of caring for our bodies. And I feel like of all the ones because of that, you know, the the circle with the how much time do I actually have in my given week and how good am I at things? Like, I feel like I'm not amazing at this one, but I still feel like it's really important for me to pass on to my children and um, even just making this list made me think about it a lot. And so I want to think about, I want them to grow up respecting their bodies from the inside out and like really valuing what it means to be an embodied person and to get to live in a body and to be a part of the world in this way. Um, And then also to just like know the fundamentals about, you know, what it means to eat a balanced diet and what what, like healthy amounts of exercise look like Um, and what it means to, you know, respect, respect different parts of your body and how your body works. And so that feels like a little bit of a mystery to me, but it feels like a really important one to continue to wrestle with and to have on there. Yeah, I definitely put things on my list where I was like, oh, I'm I'm not really good at that. I need to develop in that area. What's your My four? number four was critical thinking. Again, because I was really coming at this from a, a school-based perspective, but it ended up making the list because this notion of really using your observations and your experiences and your reflections, like taking that all in and analyzing it and synthesizing and evaluating it in order to form a belief that then dictates your action. Like it was different to me than introspection Mm -hmm. because it was more connected to sort of this like interaction with the world. And I think this is top of my mind because of how much fake news is out there right now and how much propaganda really threatens democracy. And so I I kind of wanted to prioritize having my children be really critical of, you know, information is coming in. What is the source of this information? And is that going to impact what the information is? And I definitely wanted to balance this with other things on the list because it feels very Western and it, it feels like it can it can easily perpetuate white supremacy culture. And I, I definitely don't want to do that. So I think it needs to be tempered and balanced because I don't think that critical thinking is the only way or the best way to know about the world and to live into the world. But I do think it's one piece of a really balanced perspective. Yeah, that's like really interesting. I'm thinking about the difference between like intuition and instinct and like cognitive reasoning. Um, Mm -hmm. As you say that and all those things are important and yeah, it's, it's an important one. What's your number five? 
my fifth one is just the basics of like organization and executive functioning and like laundry. Like I was thinking about like when my kids leave their ha- leave our house, I would like to make sure that they can cook and that they can do laundry and that they know how to like make a budget. I think there's, um, there's so much of that like common life stuff. And I think that about this a lot with Sydney and with Sugi kind of in different categories because they do just have such different cognitive lives and I don't know what their lives will look like um, post-secondary. So I think a lot about just sort of like the practical things of being able to get by and to be functional in the world. So that was my number, not my number five. Yeah, I'm just sitting here listening to your list, and I'm copying and pasting yours over to my other list. And now I'm like, well, now I have 20 things. How am I going to like uh, start to cool these down? And I, I started asking Tate in the car. I was like, what do you think are the 10 most important things that kids need to learn? And then his list was different from my list too. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much. My number five is problem solving and resilience. And I think this is just something that we are really losing <laughs> with each subsequent generation. I And I think this is, is part of like kind of what leads to like societal collapse. I haven't studied enough about societal collapse, so I really should not be talking about it. But in my mind, I heard something just about how like the initial generation is like so tough and hardy because like they have to face all these challenges and then it just like gets easier and easier and easier for each subsequent generation to a point where you sort of lose, you start to become really decadent, really hedonistic. You start like really caring about celebrities and athletes because you just sort of like lose that like frontier spirit. Um, And I just really want my children to understand that life is full of waves and that there, we have two approaches. Like you can either expect there to be a calm sea all the time. And then when the wave comes, it's going to knock you down because you're not expecting it. Or you can just know that the waves are going to be there. And then you can put on your goggles and like dive under the wave and like have a much better experience. And then on the days when it is a calm sea, you're like, oh yeah, this is awesome. Um, so I'm just hoping that we're building that. And I think that we struggle with this because of some of our children's needs and some of their reactions we kind of do like do some lawnmower parenting to try to keep things like smooth and keep them running well in our house and I worry that our us doing that is going to create more anxiety and more depression for our kids in the future because they're going to expect life to sort of happen in a smoother way for them and it's not going to yeah parenting is just so hard that's such a good one I don't have the answers for that, how to do that, but I love that. Well, and like we were just the other day, we went to a bookstore and we were walking out of it and I said, oh, this is bringing back memories for me because there were times in college where I felt really lonely and I would go to the bookstore and it would bring me a lot of solace. I would feel really like connected to the world and connected to myself and my boys were sort of like, well, that's depressing. And I'm like, no, there are going to be lots of like times in your life where you feel lonely. And, you know, the bookstore may not be your place, but you can find other things, other 
other ways of helping to provide comfort for yourself. And because I just wanted to normalize, like, you're going to feel lonely in life and that's okay. And like, you don't feel that much now as a kid, but I want you to kind of be prepared for what is to come so that it doesn't shock them. Yeah, it's so good. So my sixth one is friendship. And I was specifically thinking about like how to pick good friends that will be kind Mm -hmm. and generous and, you know, reciprocating and not codependent and and, like Mm -hmm. interdependent. Like, um, I feel like that can be just so hard. And that's something I feel like as you know, they're now in, in elementary school. So we've been just having a lot of conversations around how does it feel when you're with that person? You know, what is, what is that person doing that makes you feel that way? You know, kind of trying to like add like a meta layer to just their thinking around what they come home and say about particular friends at school to just help them kind of navigate some of those decisions. Um, it's just really important to me that they both have community and feel comfortable being alone in their own yeah. self. Um, but I want them to be able to know how to how to find people that are like really their people. And so that's the sixth one for me. It's so good. I feel like in our house, we're just like so happy when they're making a friend <laughs> that we don't even like go to that next level of like, is it a good friend? It's like we don't even get to that place. So I love that. My number six was gratitude, mm. and this is one that I'm trying to cultivate, but just really intentionally noticing the positive in ourselves and others and the world um, to help us live a life of contentment. I think there's so much richness already around us, that, and, and our society is becoming more and more just critical and like shooting down this and criticizing this and it's just like that isn't going to put us on a path to contentment um so I'm thinking a lot about that yeah and it's something I'm working on and I think it's really important to try to cultivate in my boys I have heard you talk about gratitude like several times but we've never done like a deep dive on it and I'm I think I need more of that in my life. So I feel like we should have a whole separate podcast episode to reflect on gratitude so we can both uh, continue to cultivate that. Number seven for me is respect for nature. And as I was like, as I'm now reading this, like the thing I was thinking about with this is just that feeling that we've talked about before of just like the awe of being part of something bigger. So I actually think helping my kids find what that is for them, whether that's nature or music or something religious or whatever it is that helps them feel connected to like the greater universe is really, really important because I think that's just something that they can come back to time and time again when there are those times of waves and also can help them have a sense of gratitude um, when things feel calm. And so that Nature slash just the feeling of awe is my number seven. Yeah, that's really interesting. My number seven is courage and integrity. And I don't know if this is too repetitive from the sort of internal 
encompass. I mean, I think it is because because it, it connects to more to relationships with other people and sort of what we do in the world. I think it's really hard to have courage and I think it's hard to have integrity. And yet I think those things can help us all live into our true selves and to do work that's right in the world. And I just hope to help inspire that in my voice. Yeah, I love that one. My number eight is critical thinking. And the way I was thinking about that in informed decision making is actually pretty similar to the way that you already talked about that with misinformation and also with so I feel like within like media, but then also within just the decisions they have to make in their life, I feel like it's so important to understand that like it's okay to question things and it's good and it's helpful um, to do that because I feel like that is what has brought me a lot. Um, even just the pro- the reflective process has brought me so much in my life and helped me so much. So I hope to, to help them with that. My number eight was care for the environment. And I was thinking a lot about this because a lot of educators are now clamoring for like education about climate change. And I'm sort of more attracted to sort of like transcendental forms of education, like who are we as human beings? And so I absolutely think we should be talking about climate change in our schools, but I think it should be coming from a place of caring for the environment and just studying the history. I'll actually do my number nine first because this is so connected to my number eight, but my number nine is like a connection to the past and to the future. Like I really want my children to understand both that they are like these tiny specks in like all of humanity, but also that they are like connected to what comes next in our, in our in our future. And the environment is just such an important it's just so phenomenal like what kind of earth we have, how special the earth is like because of its exact position to the sun and what is around us and I feel like that's getting lost more and more as we become increasingly technological and I I was just um, watching a documentary with Henry about artificial intelligence and I was just like that really scares me because they're showing people like having relationships with artificial intelligence and get people fulfilling their needs for companionship. And I'm just like, that's really sad. Like they should just be looking to other humans. Um, So I'm hoping to help them develop, develop that. I think that I was going to steal one. It might be that one, (laughs) like that sense of situationality within the past and the present um, and the future is so important. My number nine is turning to wonder and curiosity. And this might be a little bit connected to the awe one and the nature, but I just, and also to the positive regard, I feel like it's just so important for me 
when I think about my kids and how they interact with the world and with problems and with good things and with other people, for them to be able to stay curious instead of getting critical, like I want them to just keep asking why until they can get, even if they're being met with criticism, to get to a place where they can really understand what's happening in the context. Um, because I feel like that's just, that for me, I think has been kind of like a superpower of being able to stay curious with things and not jump to conclusions and to just continue like panning for gold almost, um, through conversation and through research and through studying. And so I hope that that is something that my kids will learn from me and that we can, that I can pass on to them. And what about your number 10? Let's go ahead and close you out, Catherine. My number 10 was, I just put the basics of planning because I think this is another thing that I feel like I'm pretty good at is being able to like set up a structure for a plan, like I love a good template. I'm so excited to see your trip document um, because I know it's going to be well done and beautiful. And just that process of being able to like take big ideas and then get them down into a plan that's actionable and make decisions and kind of do the filtering is something that I'm good at. And that's something that I feel like has, has also served me well in life and will serve them well. And so it's something that I hope I can pass on. What about you, Sarah? What's your number 10? My last one was financial independence. And I don't know if this is connected just because I'm like, feel like the world is collapsing and I feel like this one's going to become even more important or if it's because how we relate to the economy is such a fundamental part of being human. And like it's been part of humanity for a long, long time, the basics of economics. Um, But I just, and it's just not something that we learn in schools, which makes no sense at all. Like why we aren't learning about how credit card debt works, how the stock market works, how to make a budget. None of that makes it, we don't learn any of that. And meanwhile, we're learning about sine and cosine and, which I don't even remember what those things are. What was the point? Um, so that was my my number 10. But then I, when I made my list, I was like, oh, I didn't even have room for physical health on here. So I, I did my best. I did my best. Um, Catherine, let's ask one last question before we close this out, which is what's your go-to approach for teaching your children these kinds of lessons? This was also such a good question. I think my things range from like more practical stuff to more kind of like philosophical stuff. And and kind of as I was thinking about this across those different categories, I was really thinking about just our tendency to narrate stuff that's happening and to help them process and to have conversations around what does it feel like to be in a conversation with somebody whose opinion is different than yours? Like what if all kids had that skill at the age of five and they grew up with a partnership orientation of being able to stay with people and stay curious with them, even if their opinion's different and have a conversation and know how to set appropriate boundaries with them because they're courageous and they know what good friendship looks like. Like what if they had all of those kinds of skills that we've kind of talked about just by their parents, like narrating some of this stuff about what it means to be human and how to engage in the world. So I think that's the top way that we do it. I'm not sure that I'm as intentional as I could be about that process. And now that we've had this conversation, I think I'm going to be thinking a lot more about how to 
um, really make sure I'm structuring those kinds of like narrating what's happening conversations into our weekly schedule with my kids. Yeah, I mean, and so much of the research says that it's not what we say about any of this, it's what we do about it. And so really just unpacking our actions and how we do or do not reflect these things. Uh, and it's it's interesting too, because for so many of these, it might be like neutral. Like it, I might not be like acting in the opposite of how I want to be acting, but I might not be acting at all in a way that is like showing them what matters. Um, for me, my go-to strategy is really just short mentions of things like as they connect to something that we're experiencing which is the narration that you're talking about like we might be watching a survivalist documentary and I'll mention how American Indians often used every part of an animal and then I'll layer in like my opinion about like how respectful that was and how different that is from how we approach animals and and farming and agriculture now but the trick is to keep it very short because like the kids will start talking over me like and I know, I know that it's because I've gone on too long. Um, and I know that this window, I think it's going to be pretty short. I think when they hit adolescence that they're going to have much more of a radar up for, oh, that's turning into a lecture. Or that's like mom talk. But as of right now, they're really, they're kind of into it just because they have that reasoning mind and they want to know why of the world. Um, so it, that part's going going okay. Well, that's it for today's topic. Friends, what are the life lessons you want your children to internalize? Please inspire us on our Instagram page, and your insights are going to help us even round out our perspectives even more. But Catherine, let's turn to our tips and tricks segment. What do you want to share today? I just want to share the link for some drawer organizers that I got. We had this drawer in our kitchen that just had like batteries and pencils and loose things. And I don't know why I let that go on for so long because it was like so stressful every time I opened it. And I was at a friend's house recently and she had these like little cubes, which this is not like a revolutionary idea, but we changed, we used to call it the junk drawer. And now we have this like system that's been probably like three months and Sugi has started calling it the neat drawer. And it just feels like just like even just that shift in just the vocabulary because it is neat and you can easily find things like has been bringing me an inordinate amount of joy. So I wanted to tell everyone about it and put the link for this very simple product in the show notes. That's so great. I love that. My tip is I spent $10 on an app. I mean, when how, who does that? That's a lot of money for an app. But I bought the Roadside America app and it is so worth it you can put in your starting destination and your ending destination and it will come up with a ton of wacky places to visit along the way so i will well we really there was a place where you could there's a volunteer military museum in tech on our way out of texas and we could have driven in a tank which is like a dream of tate's but they're going to be closed on the day we're driving by. So that is sad. But we will be stopping by the Arkansas State Capitol because apparently you can hold a million dollars in the vault. I have done Did that. Did you know this? Yes. Yes. It is true. Yes. You can it's do that. It's in the app. Uh, we are going to do that. Um, and we are doing a lot of other quirky and interesting things along the way. And I love this new app. That is very exciting. I'm excited for you. 
Let's close out our episode with facing forward. How did you do on your intentions from the past two weeks and what do you want to make true for the next two weeks? So my intentions for the last two weeks were to go on this weekend trip to Kansas City, which I in fact did do even though I stayed in the Airbnb the whole time, and to touch up paint in our house, which I also did do because I've been quarantined along with a lot of other household projects. So it's actually been a pretty productive few weeks. Um, in the next two weeks, I need to get caught up on work since I did not do a whole lot of that last, last week. And then also just this ongoing thing about kind of like, so I have like a week and a half now until we leave on our Mexico trip and then we come home, the kids are out for the summer. And so I just have this kind of ongoing thing of wanting to have conversations with Nathan about what the expectations are around parenting during the summer and how that's different than school year. We had actually like a good sample of that last week with us both being home and me working more. And so that brought up some new questions. So I'm going to have like one more round of conversation about that before we live on, leave on our trip. Um, and that's going to happen in the next two weeks. What about you, Sarah? What, how did you do in the last two weeks? And what do you want to make true for yourself in the next two weeks? I've been knocking off just a ton of to-do items related to our trip. The, the list is endless and I keep adding new things just for fun. Um, but in the next two weeks, I really want to focus on rest. I've been, as I said, really reflecting since our last episode and I'm realizing that I want to add Reiki and acupuncture onto my list of like what helps me rest because it's literally two things that compl- force me to completely slow down in the middle of a day um, and and just be still and not do anything. And it actually feels really rewarding. It feels productive. Like it gives me all of the the same like dopamine responses as planning does. And yet it's actually restful for my body. So I want to prioritize that. Well, that's all for this episode of So Connected. We'll be back in two weeks on Tuesday. In the meantime, you can find the show notes at soconnectedpodcast.com or you can find me, Sarah, on my you can also find us on instagram at so connected podcast and if you enjoyed this podcast we would be so grateful for your review on apple Podcasts to help spread the word see you in two weeks wishing you joy purpose and community between now